What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow us on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, on Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. And with that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into the second episode of QB Week. Today, I'm going over my quarterbacks from 13 to 24, and we start in Tier 3, finishing off from last week's Tier 3. And just to give you guys a recap on the tier, it started off with Tom Brady, then went to Gardner Minshew, Josh Allen, and then at quarterback 12, Matt Ryan. That's where we left off. And to continue that tier and finish it with the last guy, Daniel Jones at 13 for me. This is the first time this year, assuming COVID and everything doesn't affect their starting lineup, this will be the first time that Daniel Jones will have the entire offense healthy around him. And not only that, but it'll be a very decent cast of weapons. Last year, Sterling Sharp, or (laughs) Sterling Shepard, you know what, I was going to cut it, but I'll leave it in there. Uh, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Darius Slayton, Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram. All five of those guys were never on the field at the same time last year. And now they will be, hopefully. And if they are, it's going to be a new look for the Giants. And we're also, you know, not knowing what to expect for fantasy purposes on that side of the ball. We don't know who's going to be the number one receiver, who's going to be the possession receiver, because you have Shepard and Tate, who are both kind of possession guys, along with Evan Ingram, who's a a target hog, a tight end that does good off high volume. He doesn't do that much with one reception like an OJ Howard or a uh, George Kittle or a Travis Kelsey. So that's going to be interesting in and of itself. But he's a turnover machine, Daniel Jones. But guess what? That's not a fantasy problem. We've loved Jameis Winston in fantasy, and he's been a turnover machine as well. And there's been plenty of other guys in that same bucket. He also has legs, but he lacks in rushing touchdown upside. That's something that I think has him knocked down to 13 for me because As you guys know, if you haven't picked up on the pattern yet, a lot of the guys I have ranked high are guys that have legs. And Daniel Jones has the legs, but I don't see him punching in much touchdowns. Last year, he had two touchdowns on the season rushing. Both were in his very first game, first my Bucks. Don't want to talk about it. And um, basically, we had no game plan against Daniel Jones. He had not played at all in the NFL. It was his first start. And so the defense didn't know what to expect, and he ended up running two touchdowns right up the middle for like 10 yards each. And then we're like, okay, he's got legs, we gotta worry about that, and he likes to run it in. And since then, everyone picked up on it, and he didn't get another rushing touchdown the rest of the season. So that's something that worries me for Daniel Jones, but outside of that, I mean, he's gonna have a division where he has two great offenses he's going up against, in the Cowboys and the Eagles, so... Hopefully we have some shootouts there. And then he also has a really bad defense behind him. The Giants don't have a good defense, so he should have the pass volume. That's going to be there, and he still has his legs. So honestly, he's a decent quarterback with good upside. The one thing that stops me from drafting him completely, though, not only because, you know, there's guys in the area that I like more than him, but the main thing is his opening schedule. It is tough, and especially, especially with people starting to get worried that we might not be able to finish the season due to COVID, like maybe it gets cut short or not. 
starting schedules are going to be even more valuable because most teams or most leagues are probably going to decide their winners on points fielded or, you know, record or whatever, whatnot, but it's only been eight games. So you have to really look, start looking at the opening schedules. And these are the first three games for Daniel Jones. Steelers, Bears, 49ers, possibly three of the top five defenses in the league. That is very, very tough. And I would not want to start him in any of those three games, especially, especially not versus the Steelers or the Niners. Chicago, maybe, but still probably not, especially because Chicago's offense is not going to be great. So it's not like he's going to be having to keep up and, you know, try and throw the ball like crazy to win that game. So that's probably going to be an ugly game regardless. So that's a tough, tough opening schedule. That's what's making me stay away from Daniel Jones. But he is the last guy of Tier 3 for me. And now we can go ahead and move into Tier 4 with my quarterback 14, Drew Brees. He's going to be consistent week to week. He always is. Um, I think he's had like one season where he was very frustrating week to week. And that was like two years ago. But he's usually always consistent. He's probably going to finish as a QB1, top 12. Probably, even though I have him at 14. But we know every year if you guys miss a couple games. So, you know, if people ahead of him do and he doesn't, he's definitely going to be a QB1 this year. But for me, the thing that drops him to this spot, to QB14, is the lack of rushing. I projected him for mad efficiency, like always. He might even break his record that he's already broken twice of completion percentage. We'll see. Because Emmanuel Sanders really helps as a wide receiver, too. And he's got very, very sure hands. Then you also have... Alvin Kamara back healthy 100%. And then you have Latavius Murray still there. So that is another thing that worries me about Drew Brees is because those two things could lead to a heavier run script. We've seen Drew Brees go back and forth with pass attempts the past couple years. And not that he's ever been in the 600s, which is what he was doing when he was, you know, a perennial top three quarterback in fantasy every year for like an eight year stretch. Um, He hasn't been in the 600s at all the past three or four years. But I think that this is one of the years that he could be at just above 500. He might be in the 515 to 530 range because they may be able to just run the ball more effectively than last year with everyone healthy now. Well, everyone by everyone, I mean Alvin Kamara. And so he really lacks any upside that you want in a quarterback. There's no situation in my mind where I could see him finishing as a top five because for him to finish as a top five with no rushing upside, maybe like at best you can project three rushing touchdowns and like 100 yards at most. I mean, honestly, with those numbers, he needs like a 40 pass touchdown season and almost 5,000 yards. That's not going to happen. He's not going to throw the ball enough for him to get to that kind of yardage level. And his touchdown rate would have to be off the charts to get 40 touchdowns. So I I think I have him at 35, but I I think that's pretty, pretty much close to his ceiling in terms of total pass touchdowns. So Drew Brees is also a guy I don't find myself drafting. Then we have my quarterback 15. You guys know I love him. Say his name with me, Tyrod Taylor. Let's get it. Tyrod Taylor, I have my own podcast just about him, and he's not even getting drafted in most leagues. He's the quarterback 28-ish off the board. It's an amazing, amazing value. He was QB5 and QB6 in two of the three years he started in Buffalo if you extend his pace to 16 games because he did miss a few. He also has a much better offense, and it's not even close now compared to what he had in Buffalo. He offers you a minimum if he you know, plays all 16 games, which I do project. He offers you a minimum of 500 yards rushing and five rushing touchdowns on the ground over a 16-game span. He will start the season. He will make that team good, and he will hold that job. 
This is one of the the guys that I'm all over. I have him in like 80% of my leagues, no joke. Also, he had an average of less than 450 passes per season in Buffalo. Less than 450, and he was that good in fantasy. Top 12 by points per game. The Chargers threw the ball almost 600 times last year. That's 150 pass difference. Of course, I'm not projecting that. I think Tyrod Taylor may throw near 500, but still, that is much more than ever before, and it should be combined with more efficiency because he has way better weapons. And then, of course, he still has his legs. So there are so many things going in Tyrod's direction or in his favor, and I think that in the end of drafts, why are you not taking a shot on him, especially, especially if you are in two quarterback leagues or super flex leagues? I understand in redraft if you don't want to take a shot on Tyrod. Personally, I still have him in redrafts, but it's because I go super late with quarterbacks. So I'll take like Tyrod and Burrow together, and I'll start Tyrod in the beginning until Burrow starts warming up. And or I'll go like Tyrod and Minshew. So if you're getting like two quarterbacks late in redraft, still, please take a look at Tyrod. But if you're just getting one of the good guys, you don't even need a second quarterback. But with that said, the one other thing I can do is try to point you guys towards my podcast. Got to try to promote myself a little bit. If you haven't heard the Tyrod Taylor podcast, go listen to it because there are so, so many other things that I have not said that I really think I could get you to buy into Tyrod. And it costs you nothing. So why not take the shot? And like I said, I have him in 80% of my leagues. He is the quarterback I have in the most leagues, and it's due to his cost, super low. Then we have our quarterback, 16. Now, we are still in tier four, and this is going to be quite a big tier, so you can order these guys or move these guys around if you so please. But this is the order I have them in, but they're all projected pretty close to each other that I could see you taking any person ahead of the other. Quarterback 16 is Jared Goff. He should be among the league leaders in pass attempts, 100%. He has decent weapons. I wouldn't say he has great weapons because losing Cooks is going to hurt him. Losing Gurley is going to hurt him. It's going to make it hard for them to have as good of an offense as they have in the past. And it's hard for me to picture it too. So are they going to have a good offense? Yeah, probably good, but it's probably not going to be much better. And so, yes, he's going to pass the ball a lot, and he's going to need that because that's why he's at 16 for me is because I expect him to pass the ball for more than 600 times. I have him projected as the passing attempt leader with Matt Ryan projected as the second most pass attempts for me. And he's only at 16 because he has no rushing upside, and I don't think he's going to be efficient. He's not going to be efficient because they lost so many weapons. Don't underestimate the value of Brandon Cooks as a deep threat. I mean, he's not just a deep threat. I'm, that's not what I'm saying. But his threat as a deep threat helps the offense so much. And with that said, that's pretty much all I have on Goff. I mean, you expect his high volume to be there, but you don't expect the efficiency or the rushing. So he's not somebody I'm really looking forward to drafting, but he is a good late-round quarterback. I just like looking other directions. And one direction I love to look instead of him that's getting drafted around him is this guy at quarterback 17, Cam Newton. I could end up being way too low on Cam. I understand that. Trust me. I know the stat, the 16, every time he plays 16 games, he's a top five quarterback. Trust me. I know it. But is Cam still the level he once was in terms of being a rushing threat? Hmm, maybe. Could he be better as a rusher? Yeah, maybe. Could he be worse? Yeah, maybe. The Patriots have a really good defense, and Cam won't throw a lot. Not that he ever had. 
I'm just saying. He's not going to throw a lot. So honestly, his entire fantasy variability, or in other words, um, different areas he can land or finish, is all dependent on his running. I feel super, super comfortable with my passing projections for him. Not so much the rushing. I have him for just near 500 rushing yards and just about six rushing touchdowns. So that's good, but he could do better. And if he does better, he's going to go up the rankings and he's going to do it quick because we know how valuable rushing is compared to passing. The upside is there. And so not only with the upside, but also the unknown just of him with the Patriots. Plus, I mean, you gotta love, you have to love the juicy revenge comeback story. I mean, who doesn't love that story, right? So his upside and unknown plus juicy revenge comeback story, you know what that means? It means I draft him over all of the guys in this tier if I end up taking somebody in this tier. So yes, I have Cam Newton as my 17, ranked behind Drew Brees, Tyrod Taylor, Jared Goff, but I will take Cam Newton in a vacuum over all of those guys. Tyrod would be close, but I would take Cam. Um, And I I know I can get Tyrod way later anyway, so that doesn't even matter. At 18, I have Stafford. Here's a disclaimer, though, because I know everyone loves Stafford. I plan on reevaluating this entire offense before I put my final rankings in, but with that said, I could see Stafford being very good, but not for fantasy. I could see him being very good for the team. The addition of the receiving running back, DeAndre Swift, not that he's just that, but he's very good at that, plus Carrion, who is very good in the receiving game too, makes me see two things. One, the Lions should be able to run the ball more often and more effectively, so that could reduce the pass volume for Stafford. Two, with two receiving backs and Danny Amendola still there, I could see the offense having much shorter yards per pass lowering his total yardage, Stafford's, but their offense could be more efficient. And then lastly, those running backs might be able to steal a couple touchdowns from Stafford that he would usually throw, but now he has, you know, two really good running backs in the backfield. They could have them both back there and the defenses don't know what's going on. So the most flexible thing for Stafford in my projection is passing touchdowns. I have him about 4,500 pass yards. I only have him at 29 passing touchdowns. If he puts up 35, Great, that moves him inside my top 12. But like I said, the running backs may hurt him and I just don't expect him to have to shoulder that team like usual. I think it's gonna be a little bit more of a balanced offense. He's also not gonna be as good as last year's eight game sample. Okay, everyone is drooling over how good Stafford was. He was the QB2 or QB3, depending on format. He he was that good last year and he's gonna have Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones both healthy. Now he's got Swift, Hogginson might get better. All those things are true. But last year was a career outlier. He's not a young guy. He's been in the league for a long time. He's had Calvin Johnson on his team. He's had weapons, okay? Like, I don't know why we're acting like, okay, everything was perfect for him last year and it's like the first time ever. And it's gonna be like that again this year, maybe even better. So why should we not expect something close to last year? It was an outlier. We see this stuff all the time, so I don't project that further. And that's pre- pretty much what I got on Stafford. Remember, these guys are in the same tier, so if you could you could put Stafford all the way up to quarterback 14, and I'm fine with it. But I don't see him finishing as a top... Like some people say they could see him in the top eight. I can't see it. Then I have Baker Mayfield at 19. Once again, we're still in tier four. This is a really big tier, and everyone's close. But Baker Mayfield, to me 
is very similar, very, very similar to Kirk Cousins. Last year, Kirk Cousins was QB 15. He was, just like Baker will be this year, in a run-first offense. Here's one thing that's interesting. Everyone thinks the Browns were super run-heavy last year. Last year, the Browns were about 43% run and obviously 57% pass. Do you know what the Vikings were last year? The Vikings were 49% pass, 51% run. So those people that think, okay, the Browns can't run the ball much more than they did last year, they were already super run heavy. Trust me, you're wrong. Because, and I, I don't mean to sound harsh, but they can. Because Stefanski ran the ball more than he passed. That's so rare. And he ran the ball more than he passed. And that was with Dalvin Cook, who not only is only one running back, but also has such a risk of injury. And it's not like the team wasn't aware of that. Now he comes to the uh, Cleveland Browns, where you have the best one-two punch in the league with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And also, the defense is not going to be much worse than the Vikings defense was last year because they still have plenty of studs on that defense, the Browns do. And you also have the fact that Nick Chubb has been super sturdy. You haven't seen any health concerns with him. And Kareem Hunt hasn't really had that in the NFL either. So not only do you have two really good running backs, but you have two good, solid, reliable, and dependable running backs. I'm not saying that I think they're going to run the ball 51% last, uh, this year as the Vikings did, but that 43% is definitely going up to about 46 minimum, probably like 47, 48. So Baker's probably going to pass in the 520 range. So without the rushing upside, it makes it hard for me to draft him. Yes, I think he's going to be efficient, but just like Drew Brees, he's not going to pass the ball enough, and I think he's going to have less passing touchdowns than Drew Brees just because the Browns are probably going to rely on those running backs a lot. Then at 20, I have Ryan Tannehill. Everyone needs to pump the brakes on the Titans. Well, actually, now that I think about it, the last month people probably have been pumping the brakes, so credit to all of you. Um, the Titans were the most efficient offense last year. They're, it was highly unsustainable. Tannehill had stupid numbers that are definitely going to come down. He had 9.6 yards per attempt. For people that don't really focus on yards per attempt, this is the next stat. 13.6 yards per completion. 13.6. Patrick Mahomes is in the 12s, and 13.6 led the league last year. You think Ryan Tannehill is going to lead the league in uh, yards per completion? No. He's not. Not only did he have 13.6 yards per completion, which led the NFL last year, but he combined that with a 70% completion rate. The people that usually have a lot of yards per completion, like a Jameis Winston or a Big Ben or, you know, guys that heave the ball downfield, their completion percentage is low. And guess what? The guys with high completion percentages, like a Drew Brees who keeps like breaking his own records and being in like 74%, 75%, his yards per completion is low. It's like 10 point, not between like 10.8 and 11.5. He's in that range, not 13.6. That's ridiculous. It's unheard of. There were so many AJ Brown, 40 plus yard breakaways. Those are not going to happen. I mean, you might have one or two, but not as much as last year. And Derek, even Derrick Henry, he had an 80 yard touchdown reception last year. You think stuff like that is going to happen with this team? I mean, if you want to bank on that, be my guest, but you're banking on ceiling and a very, very unlikely one. So that's, I'm nowhere near Tannehill um, fever like everyone else. I think that Tannehill is going to disappoint a lot of people that are thinking they could just draft him 
and be fine as their QB1. <clears throat> Plus, not only that, but the Titans have a good defense and a great run game. They're not going to pass a lot, and with the efficiency going down, that's going to make Ryan Tannehill very bad. Compared to where what people's expectations are, not just bad in general. I think he's going to be fine in the NFL. At quarterback 21, still in the same tier, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick has been a good fantasy player whenever he is in. If you look at the last 21 games Ryan Fitzpatrick started, so both last year with the Dolphins and the year before with the Buccaneers, he has put 20 points minimum in more than half. 12 of his last 21 games, he had at least 20 points. And in those 12 games, you know what his average was? It was above 25 points per game. That's very good. And why? Because not only does he sling the ball fearlessly and honestly quite carelessly, but remember, we know that turnovers don't really hurt quarterbacks that much, and it just forces them to throw the ball more, so that's great. Not only that, but he also runs more than anyone expects him to run. Now, he does have the risk of Tua coming in. I'm not going to deny that, but this this risk might make you look the other way. I'm still taking him as a good shot in a super flex or a two-quarterback league because, personally, I think that the Dolphins should sit Tua all year. That's what I would do, and they're a smart... Well, I was going to... I almost said they're a smart organization. That's dangerous. Um, <laughs> Definitely dangerous. They hopefully do the right thing and do the smart thing because if you throw out Tua in these conditions... I mean, let, okay, let, let me set the stage. Let me paint the picture for you. Tua has had two back-to-back very, very scary injuries in college. Okay, the, the most recent one, some people were doubting if he would ever even be able to come back. And he did. He did. Thanks to God, he did. But he has a super short offseason, no preseason games, and you're going to throw him in to an NFL game? When was the last time he played in a football game? Longer than any of the other rookie quarterbacks, right? And not only that, but the offensive line in Miami has so many moving factors. Three, likely three of their starting offensive linemen are going to be guys that were not on that team last year, either rookie between rookies and free agents. And now they are also coming in, having to learn a new scheme with less time and just everything that's going on, that offensive line, look, I think they're going to get good over time. But whatever quarterback is back there is going to get killed this year. They are going to get killed, especially when you're playing the Patriots defense, the Bills defense in your division. Like, that is not a pretty sight for Dolphins fans. And if I was a Dolphin fan, I would not want to see Tua play this year. Unless that offensive line picks up and starts becoming really good, fine, you can put in Tua. But I would rather him just get extra recovery time, even if he doesn't need it. I would rather him get get the extra time, be safe. He's a, a first-round pick. You took him at five overall. That's a huge investment. You're trying to hope he can lead your franchise for the next 15 to 20 years. It's not worth it to put him in. So personally, I would leave Fitzpatrick in all year. Even if he's struggling, it's fine. Let Tua learn. And we know that the success rate for quarterbacks taken in the first round that sit the first year is way better than those that do not. So that's also another plus. And while Fitzpatrick does a lot of crazy stuff, I still think he's a good mentor. So you could also benefit from that part of it. So that's why I think that Fitzpatrick's going to play a lot because I think they're going to do the right thing and keep Tua safe in all of this craziness. Then at 22, and man, before I say it, I'm sure most of you guys are going to think I'm crazy, but 
There are so many good quarterbacks in the league right now for fantasy purposes because of the value of rushing. So a lot of the quarterbacks that aren't great for their NFL team are still good for fantasy because they can run the ball. Um, That fact makes it really hard to read the rest of this list because the rest of this list, there's just good quarterback names, but I can't get them higher in my projections. I can't. Like tier-wise, yeah, you can move them around, but I still feel like I'm too low on some of these guys, but I can't do anything about it just because there's so many good quarterbacks in the league right now. Like I think over the last like five or 10 years, this might be the best group of quarterbacks we've had because you haven't lost that back end, the the aged quarterbacks of Phillip Rivers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers is in that group. Big Ben is in that group. So there's four really old quarterbacks right there already that are all playing you know, into an age where most quarterbacks have already retired, they're still here. And then you have the influx of all the young guys over the past couple of years with Mahomes and Deshaun and Kyler and Wentz and Baker and everyone, you know, I think I might've said Lamar already. Um, Lamar is another one. What now? There are so many young guys and the old guys haven't left. So I think we're just flooded right now. And that brings me to the guy I don't want to say he's my quarterback 22, but that's how it is, Aaron Rodgers. Look, he's been steadily getting worse. I have been ahead of the curve the last two years, and it's worked out well for me. That first year where he disappointed a lot, I had him outside of my QB, my top five quarterbacks when everyone had him inside, worked out for me. Last year, I had him outside my top like eight, I think, and he finished at nine. And that was worse than consensus. Consensus still had him higher than me. Worked out for me. This year again, I think he's going to keep going down slowly, slowly. Because here's the thing. Aaron Rodgers, his game is built off physical traits and ability. It's not built off fundamentals, mental processing, or proper mechanics. I'm not saying he's a bad mental processor. He's good. I'm just saying he's not Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Andrew Luck level of mental processing. But it's not built off fundamentals or proper mechanics either. And physical traits and ability, which is what he has been so good at, they suffer far worse and much faster from age. The Packers also drafted Love, and that's something I want to actually talk about because I think it could point to two narratives, okay? Because this was a great draft for them to grab receivers. They neglected it, and that's obviously what Rodgers wanted. Rodgers was pissed that they took, you know, Love and was his backup, and he even came out and said he he understands how... um Brett Favre felt when they basically drafted Aaron Rodgers to replace Brett Favre. And now he knows what that feels like and he doesn't like it. Well, here's the thing. There's two narratives that you could look at by the Packers choosing to draft love instead of, you know, getting help for Rodgers. Narrative one is Rodgers is going to be extra motivated and he's going to bounce back. He's going to be pissed off. He's going to be great. That's narrative one. Narrative two, the Packers see something that they're worried about. And they want to stay ahead of the quarterback situation. For me, I'm very scared that the answer is narrative two. I mean, the Packers, we we want to make fun of them and laugh at them. And I get it. It's easy. It's funny. It's fun. Especially that they took a running back. Some people say, ah, you took a fullback in the second round. But honestly, are we really going to be laughing at them if Rodgers looks worse than we expect because they've been in the building with him and they see it happening. And uh, Jordan Love is starting, not this coming year, but the next year. If Rodgers is out in one or two years, Jordan Love looks good. And obviously they don't re-sign Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon is like a Derrick Henry type of guy. Are we going to be laughing then? No, we're going to be looking back at this and be like, wow, they were actually pretty smart. 
So while I still am in the group of people that like to poke fun because it's easy and it's funny, there is a part of me that thinks they might just be playing ahead of the game. And they might realize that, yeah, they're, thir- was it 13-3? and 13-3 and three or 12-4 and four record last year? I think it was 13-3. and three. Um, That their record last year was not indicative of how good their team is. Their team is good, but it's more of a 10-6 and six type of good. And maybe they just don't, maybe they don't see that Super Bowl window. Maybe they don't think that drafting that wide receiver would have put them over the top this year or next year. And they just want to use the picks that they have to start building a franchise again. So honestly, that's something else that scares me about Aaron Rodgers. So that combined with his ever fading rushing, his improving defense and his offensive philosophical switch to being run heavy with Aaron Jones and Derrick Henry, uh, I mean, AJ Dillon, same thing, makes me think the only way Rodgers is good is off the back of an insane touchdown rate. And guess what? Devontae Adams ain't going to make that happen all alone. So because of all those things, Rodgers' fantasy value continuously dips for me. He is the last guy in this tier that started back at quarterback 14. Remember, Rodgers is my quarterback 22. Once you start getting late in any position, the tiers get bigger and bigger because so many guys are grouped together near a similar projected point total. So it's a big tier. But And I know that. So if you want to move him up to quarterback 14, that's fine. I understand it. But I think that's the highest he should be drafted because he has a little upside to be better than that, in my opinion. And also, just real quick, I know we're not talking about running backs, but I know I said A.J. Dillon and Derrick Henry are the same thing. That's kind of a joke. I'm not saying A.J. Dillon is Derrick Henry, so don't come back at me with that if A.J. Dillon doesn't end up being Derrick Henry. Um, He's just a similar body type and play style and stuff. So now that brings us to Tier 5. we got two quarterbacks left. Quarterback 23, I have Teddy Bridgewater. With the start of this tier, I am basically in the untouchables range of the draft in any standard leagues. If you're playing in a one-quarterback league, I'm not touching any quarterbacks past this point. Superflex and two-quarterback leagues are still viable, though. So if you're in those leagues, you still want to listen to these last two guys. The Panthers threw the ball more than 600 times last year. Or also, if you you know have been paying attention to what names I've said and there's somebody that you think I'm crazy for not already having them ranked, and you just want to hear my reasoning, also listen in. Um, So the Panthers threw the ball more than 600 times last year, among the top five in the league. If Teddy Bridgewater is anywhere near that, he should head this tier as he has some good weapons to work with. And with a high passing volume, that's going to be good enough to, to be quarterback 23. He's not somebody with huge upside though, so he's not somebody that I care to draft really, but I would still draft him above my quarterback 24, Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo has an elite defense and an elite run game. It's very, very hard to be a great fantasy quarterback or even a good fantasy quarterback if both of those things ring true and you don't run the ball. Nothing against you, Jimmy. Sorry, bud, but you don't run the ball at all. I can't draft you, man. I can't. Can't do it. And so remember, this is tier five, and it started Teddy Bridgewater, then Jimmy Garoppolo. That finishes my top 24, but I'm going to just tell you the names in the order for the rest of the time I have them. The rest of the tier after Teddy and Jimmy goes Derek Carr, quarterback 25, Kirk Cousins, quarterback 26, Sam Darnold, quarterback 27, and uh, I hate to say it, Big Ben at quarterback 28. I really want him to be higher, but uh, we'll talk about it more, most likely on Friday on the last, the wrap-up episode of quarterback week. But yeah, Big Ben, I don't feel comfortable having him that late, but I wouldn't draft him above 
most of the guys above him, except for some guys in this tier. But I never pull somebody out of like tier five, for example, and take them over a guy in tier four. The only times I switch up from my projections is within the same tier. Um, so yeah, big Ben is my quarterback 20 that finishes tier five and near tier six, the bottom dwellers for me. And this is going to make a lot of you guys mad quarterback 29, Philip rivers. This is the one that's going to make you mad. This next one quarterback 30 drew lock quarterback 31, Nick Foles, and 32 Dwayne Haskins. So I'll give you guys a brief explanation. We will talk about some of these guys more in depth because so Friday today, you're I released this on Wednesday, but you may be listening at another time. But the next episode after this one, to finish off quarterback week, I'm going to talk about values and people that are overvalued. So basically sleepers and busts, but not to that degree because it's quarterbacks and there's only so many to choose from. But I'm going to talk about the guys that I really like compared to their both their ADP and expert consensus ranking, and then guys that I'm fading at their ADP and expert consensus ranking. And then I'm also going to answer more questions. I'm going to finish off everyone's questions. So I'm going to get to some questions in a second. But if I didn't get to yours in this episode, trust me, I got all of them. I promise I'm really good with that. I'm going to get to the rest in the Friday episode. So let's talk Derek Card real quick. Um, he doesn't run the ball much. He has a better offense now with more weapons yes but it's a new offense we don't know how everyone's going to click it's a shortened off season all of the new players on new teams or as i like to say new faces and new places are going to struggle this year and you also have you know Josh Jacobs and there's just not a team that scores enough for me like i think Derek Carr is fine but he's just he's not much then Kirk Cousins they are Going to struggle without Stephon Diggs, plain and simple. Kirk Cousins has already taken a backseat to Dalvin Cook, as basically Dalvin Cook carries that offense. Kirk Cousins comes in at times and does some stuff, but it's going to be much harder with Adam Thielen always seeing the number one corners, and there's no Stephon Diggs. Justin Jefferson is a rookie. There's just a lot of things there that scare me that I don't like um, in that situation, and he also doesn't run the ball. Notice that's going to be a thing. This, this far into the quarterback rankings, n- nobody runs the ball. Sam Darnold doesn't really run the ball. He has a lot of moving pieces. He also has Adam Gase. I think their offense will be better. I think he might be better than last year, but it's hard for me to see him being anywhere near a good fantasy option. Big Ben, this one hurts me. And the biggest thing for Big Ben is I'm not sure how to project the passing volume because Big Ben has always been a pass volume guy. The, the two biggest questions for Big Ben this year are, one, how much does he pass the ball? And two, how much did Antonio Brown help him? Because Antonio Brown's gone. Juju and Deontay Johnson are there, yes. And their offensive line is still good, yes. Not as good as it was when he was playing last. And their run game is good, but not as good as it was when he was playing last. Everything else... Actually, everything, because Deontay Johnson is not Antonio Brown. Everything has gotten worse since the last full season we've seen from Big Ben. Plus, Big Ben has gotten two years older. Plus, the fact that their defense has gotten good, and now they don't need to pass the ball a lot. There are so many things. And once again, Big Ben doesn't run, just like nobody else does in this tier, um, in, or just in the back end of the quarterbacks. So there are a lot of things that that I'm worried about with Big Ben. Then quarterback 29 is Phillip Rivers. He's going to turn the ball over. He's not going to score that much. They're going to ride Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack. And yeah, Rivers doesn't throw the ball either. 
Honestly, it's, it's pretty much the same story for these guys. Same thing with Drew Locke. Look, I like Locke. I like all the receiving weapons he has there. But you have Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, and Royce Freeman. Royce Freeman is Royce Freeman, sorry, is hands down the best third running back on any depth chart in the league. And maybe they get rid of him. I hope they do. Um, not by cutting him. I guess that would help too, though. Somebody would pick him up because he's good. But I hope they trade him because I have Royce Freeman in a few places, hoping that, you know, he sees a better role somewhere else. But Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, a good, a really good defense, actually. I would say top 10 for sure. I would say it's a top 10 lock. Um, so Drew Locke's not going to throw the ball a lot. They didn't last year. They're probably not going to this year. And I think he's just going to be a guy who's, he's not like a Drew Brees either. He's not going to have huge efficiency. He's not an explosive guy like a Mahomes who, or a Russell Wilson who can have a high touchdown rate. So not having a high touchdown rate, not being super efficient in a low pass volume offense and a guy who doesn't run the ball. No, thanks. Then Nick Foles. Do we really have to explain these guys? I mean, Nick Foles and Dwayne Haskins, meh, no, thanks. And so now I'm going to get to the questions. IDP Dynasty Authority asks, what do you expect from Tannehill this year? I find him difficult to project after a super efficient season in a run-heavy offense. Man, you said it right there. That last sentence, the super efficient season in a run-heavy offense. I think you're probably along the same line of thinking as me. Because remember, I have him at quarterback 20. I'm sure his ADP is somewhere around quarterback 14 or 15. So, I mean, it's not too far off, and he is in a tier that can put him that high for me. But, yeah, I am completely with the uh, the train of staying away from Titans because they are not going to be nearly as efficient this year, and they are going to just rely on Derrick Henry. So, yeah, that's basically what I think from Tannehill. I pretty much answered that question earlier, but I figured I would directly answer your question on here. Then, MDMC35, that's your Twitter at, it said or asks Tyrod Taylor, what's his upside? So I think Tyrod Taylor's upside is top 12 for sure. He's done it twice by points per game in three seasons. That's a 66% hit rate. 66% of the time, he's been a quarterback one by points per game. Now he has a better offense. Now he will probably throw the ball more than he ever did in Buffalo. Not saying that he's going to throw a lot, but he barely threw the ball in Buffalo. He was throwing the ball as often as Lamar Jackson. So, and he doesn't run as much as, much as Lamar Jackson either. So, obviously, he's going to have to throw the ball more. Um, so, yeah, I think he has great upside. And I think he has a really safe floor, too. I, I mean, obviously, he has a, a horrible floor if he loses his starting job, but I don't think that's going to happen. So, assuming he starts, he has a great floor because of his rushing and because of his weapons. And then Gary Davenport asks, Matthew Stafford as the value play outside the top 10, buy or sell. So personally, Matthew Stafford is barely outside the top 10. He's like quarterback 12 or 13. So he's already so close to that, that I don't really think he's much of a value. Um, And as you've heard in this podcast, I don't really think Matthew Stafford is going to be as good as everyone thinks. So I definitely am going to sell that one. Um, Is it possible? Yeah, but I like taking other guys that you can get even later than him outside the top 10 as the value play. And such guys include Gardner Minshew and Joe Burrow. Those are two of the the guys I love. I was going to say Carson Wentz, but he's actually inside the top 10. I checked right before I recorded. Um, He was, I think, QB 9. And Stafford was, like I said, 12 or 13. So they were pretty close. But I would definitely take Wentz over Stafford. That's not even close for me. 
But yeah, Minshew and Burrow are well outside the top 10. They're outside the top 15, I believe. I know Burrow is. And those are both guys that I have ranked over Matthew Stafford and not just ranked above him, but in a tier above him. So I would never draft Stafford over them. So that's a sell for me. And that rounds out the questions for this podcast. I will get to all the rest on the next podcast. I'll talk some overvalued, undervalued, and can't wait to you know, talk to you guys next time. If you have any questions, I still got plenty of room to answer some more on Friday because I'm thinking we're probably around a 35 minute, 40 minute podcast on Friday. And, you know, I can go up to an hour. Or so if you guys want to send me questions, even if you've already sent me one, I'll take doubles. Don't matter to me. I just want to, you know, keep the conversation going because we all love fantasy football. So let's keep diving deep. Grind on that info. Good luck to you guys. Until next time, peace.